Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and a director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm really excited today to welcome Michelle Dempsey-Multak. She's a writer, mom, coach, certified divorce specialist, speaker, and this is my favorite, genuine girl power enthusiast. Michelle graduated from Hofstra University with a degree in journalism and communication and then earned a double master's in education from Adelphi University. She hosts the weekly podcast, Moms Moving On, and writes regularly for parents, Scary Mommy, and others. A former New Yorker, where we are, she now lives in Miami with her husband, daughter, and stepdaughter. Welcome, Michelle Dempsey-Multek. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So tell us about Moms Moving On and what led you to start that podcast. Well, the whole brand essentially started from my Instagram page, where I would kind of just vent very publicly about all the frustration I was having as a divorced and co-parenting mom with a two-year-old child. From that, my following grew. I was writing for a number of mommy publications, and people were finding my articles helpful. And so I became somewhat of a dear Abby. People were sending in questions. They needed answers. And a lot of the questions I didn't know how to answer. And I'm a big believer in giving people the right information, so that's why I started my podcast to be able to bring on the experts who can speak to. With the success of the podcast came a lot of inquiries for where people could buy my book, but I hadn't written a book yet. So actually, about three weeks ago, my first book came out. I got a book deal with Simon & Schuster, and we released the book with the same name, Mom's Moving On. So it, it really just sort of grew organically, all of it. That's uh, really exciting. Congratulations on the publication of your book. What do you, what do you, you think, Michelle, are some of the biggest challenges that moms have when they're getting divorced or when they're first divorced? I think, you know, the, the challenge really, while it feels like it's the end of a marriage is a death and all of those things, the challenge is really having to get accustomed to a life of sharing your children to may be very young with someone who you no longer love or trust or get along with. And I don't think there's anything harder than that, really. Yeah, I think that is really hard when you have that sort of protective mommy, mama bear comes up and you just don't want to do anything that puts your kids at risk. So what do you say to moms who are facing this requirement, really, and then having to make a change in what they anticipated into what's really happened? Well, I think, you know, naturally there's going to be a lot of emotion and resentment. For the person who didn't want the marriage, for the mom who didn't want the marriage to end, she's not only angry that it ended, that now she's thrust into a life she never dreamed of for herself. And then on the other side, a woman who wanted the divorce now has a very angry ex who might be using the children, you know, as pawns in the whole divorce journey. And so I always say the best thing you can do is realize that there's no room for emotionally 
charge decisions in the divorce process because you're very often going to make a mistake if you don't use your logical brain. And also to put your children at the center of your decision-making, not in the middle. And I think there's a fine line between at the center and in the middle. Um, And that's really, you know, the work that I do with women one-on-one in my practice is really helping them decipher, okay, like, is this my emotion? Am I making this decision based on how I feel or is it best for the children? And a lot of times it's the former and so we have to work around that. So let's talk about that. I mean, I have a number of questions for you, but I think that this idea of putting the children, you know, at the center is rather than in the center is really crucial. So talk a little bit about what you mean by that and, and what the crucial differences are there. Sure. So if, you know, let's say it's, it's supposed to be dad's weekend, but mom had signed Susie up for dance classes. Dad is so mad about the dance classes that he decides he's not going to take Susie to the dance classes because it's on his time. Well, that's where you're putting your children in the middle and not at the center, right? If you say, okay, I know I don't like this activity, but our child loves it. And even though it's my time, I'm going to do what's best for my child, which is take her to the activity. That's where the difference lies. And, and unfortunately, you know, when you get divorced, emotions are raw. And not only are they raw, now you have to create these, like, these parenting plans and marriage settlement agreements that are forever when you're most emotionally charged. And so that's why I think it's so important to be able to adopt that mindset where you're thinking through the child's eyes and not the, the, through the parental pride. You know, and the studies show that really the worst thing that parents can do, and particularly divorced parents can do for their kids, is have a lot of conflict all the time. So even if they're maybe making a mistake, if they can do it without conflict, that's probably better for the kid than doing the exact perfect thing but arguing a lot about it. What do you think about that? Right. Right. I think whatever is going to the least amount of stress on the child, like, you know, agreeing to disagree or giving in to certain things you may not want to give in to. And we, we forget that, like, little eyes are always watching. But I've found in a lot of these that there's usually one party who is a lot more high conflict than the other. And, you know, the, the, pers- the, the party who is not high conflict will say, well, you know, I have to teach my children that it's not okay to be spoken to this way or I have to fight back. And I'm like, no. That's exactly what you don't need to do. Every child deserves a reasonable parent in an unreasonable situation. So you can't, you know, throw gasoline on the fire by retaliating. You sort of just have to stay in your lane and keep doing what you're doing and taking care of your children and let that one person be angry because, you know, eventually it's only going to backfire. Yeah, you know, I think that's really great advice. And it is really confusing, don't you think, for moms in this situation to be thinking, what's best for me and what my therapist says I need to do to stand up for myself and the lessons I'm teaching my children about the relationship between us, the conflict that's between me and their dad, and what they should learn about going forward. It isn't easy to figure out. It's not necessarily a bright path of the right thing to do. What do you think about that? handles conflict in a volatile way, it's going to be really hard to not do that. And maybe you want your child to be vocal and stand up to bullies or, you know, whatever it is. But I I think what what the situation really offers is an opportunity to teach your children skills for critical thinking. Like, instead of just fighting back, whoever it is, a bully on the playground, an angry ex-self, why is this person behaving this way? Is there a reason why? 
do I need to feel the same way this person is feeling? Like there are different questions you can teach the child to ask themselves so that they can look at the situation differently versus just teaching them to fight back because, you know, you have to defend yourself. I don't believe you have to defend yourself in every situation. And I teach that to my daughter all the time. Yeah, I agree because if you always meet the other person, the way they meet, the way they present to you, you let them frame the conversation. And that's a lot of power you're giving away. So I think that it it is a really good lesson. I mean, it is really tough, though, when you feel like you're just coming out of a marriage where you feel like somebody else has been, you know, not nice to you all the time. And just to sort of let that keep going, it it can feel like it's it's disempowering. But in fact, I think what we're saying is that it actually is empowering if you choose your battles. Yes. And, you know, I just had this conversation with a client right before I spoke to you. You know, she said she was crying and I said, what's the matter? And she said, I'm sick of I feel like I'm constantly giving up control to him because she's in the middle of a very contentious legal battle. And I said, well, let's see what you're giving up. And so she names like these small things that she realized weren't worth fighting over. And I said, but what if we thought about instead of you're giving up control, you're taking back your peace. You're deciding I'm not going to fight about these things because I deserve to to keep my energy strong to take care of my three children. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to battle you at every turn the same way you want to do to me because I don't deserve to live such a, such a stressful life. And so I thought that was, you know, a really helpful reframe for her. And she said, well, you know what? That is so powerful. He's not taking control. I'm taking control and keeping my peace. I said, that's exactly what it is. And that's how people have to, to look at it because it can feel really suffocating to be on the other end of a high conflict co-parenting situation. But it's all about picking your battles. And as my husband, current husband always says, you don't have to show up to every battle you're invited to. Yeah, that's really good advice. I'm Catherine Milling. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available as a podcast, Divorce Dialogues, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Michelle Dempsey-Maltak about becoming a mom, moving on. And what do you think, Michelle, is how people, moms should deal with other people's comments and expectations? You know, there's your own family of origin, your own parents and siblings, and there's also the other moms at school, and, and they often have something to say. What do you advise your oh, clients yeah. to handling that? I wrote so much about this in my new book, I have to tell you, because it was something that affected me so much personally. I was just so taken back by first of all, the opinion and how people expected me to really take their opinions into consideration when they were not the people living my life. And the other side of that was, yeah, you get divorced and all of a sudden, you know, people are whispering in the carpool lane or you're not invited to those girls' nights anymore. And it's a very hurtful thing, but it's also, you know, it's cliche to say that like difficult times really show you who your true friends are. And you will find that you're going to make new, really great relationships after you get divorced because you're in this period of transformation and you realize that maybe some of the people who had been in your life didn't really deserve a seat at this new table you're setting. But I'm a big believer in being very discerning with the information you give. Many people are going to come out of the woodwork and try and get all the details. You don't need to share those because you always have to take the mindset that like, Whatever you share could get back to your children in a roundabout way, and and that wouldn't be fair to them. You know, of course, if it's your best friend and you want to complain all day long, you can, but you want to be mindful because, I don't know, I just, I feel like, 
you know, what Susie says of Sally, says more of Susie than Sally type of thing. And, and accept that the people who turn their backs on you when you're getting divorced are not doing it because of you. It's very often something with them. And if I knew five years ago that the people who like left my life the most quickly were inevitably going to be the ones getting divorced not shortly thereafter, it would have all made sense to me. Right. They don't want to be faced with a certain reality they're avoiding. And, and having empathy for those people helps too, I think, because eventually they're going to be calling you for advice. Right. So I want to definitely talk about the calling for advice thing. But before I do that, I think it can be really hard when people are also, they pity you. You know, yeah. I mean, a client of mine once said to me, you know, what I just can't stand and I just don't want, uh, and this isn't her name, but I just don't want them to be like, oh, Susan, I'm so sorry. Like, I hate that. And that, right, exactly. And, that, and so what's your advice to people about that? It's another chapter I wrote starts off with, I'm so sorry to hear about your divorce, which describes like a, an incident I had in a local coffee shop where my mom's friend came over and I was like very empowered that day for whatever reason, like, sorry, what are you sorry about? Like, I, this is the best decision ever. Like what? And I think <laughs> people, you know, people don't know what to say. Like when somebody is diagnosed with cancer, they whisper the word cancer it's the same thing with divorce because society will like tell you how bad it is when you may not know that that decision might've saved a woman's life. She might've been in an abusive situation or she may have been depressed because of the way she was being treated. So I advise people to say, I hope you're doing well. I heard about the divorce, not I'm sorry. Like when it's, you know, cause if I, if, if you fire back the way I did with like, well, why are you sorry? This is great. Then you sound a little bit crazy, but I heard about the divorce. I hope you're doing well. It's benign. It doesn't like make the assumption that you're, you know, crying yourself to sleep. And it also doesn't make the assumption that you're celebrating, you know, on the rooftop. So I'm glad you used the word cancer because I think that that brings us back to the conversation we were having just a minute or two ago where people, I think, who are worried about their own situation and if they have a friend or an acquaintance or a shared mom in the, in the class, who's getting divorced, it makes them worry that that's about to happen to them if in their heart of hearts they fear that that's about to happen to them. And so I think that that does create a sort of isolation feeling for the divorcing person. But then later on, that person becomes potentially an advisor and a confidant about what might be happening for other people. And I find that I think it's like a two-year window around the, you know, during and after the divorce in a community where the person who just got divorced is a divorcing expert and then can, can, is come to by a lot of other people. Is that your experience? Absolutely. I was the first in my like age group. I was 33. My daughter was two. And I was among, you know, basically newlyweds who were still getting pregnant with their second children. And within two years' time, my phone started ringing. People who were in my close circle, people I, you know, grew up with in New York, people from all over would say, oh, you know, so-and-so gave me your number because they know you went through this. And that's sort of like also what led to me becoming a coach and a divorce specialist because. I was giving out advice all the time. I felt like I better, I better give the right kind of stuff, you know, but that's, that definitely is what led to it. 
one of my good girlfriends calls me her divorce Sherpa, and it always makes me laugh because sometimes I'm like, you know, on a friend level, we're like the blind leading the blind, right? But I did help her through it because her separation was just a couple of months after mine. And I don't think we would have been friends if she hadn't gotten separated. Yeah, it can really help you to have a buddy <laughs> through the path. And, and another thing that I find is really helpful, and I, and I tell my clients to do if they can, which and I'm curious about your thought, is to create a divorce narrative. So they can explain in something that that hopefully it's a shared narrative because that minimizes gossip, but that you can say that is easy for you to say that you can say to every single person who asks you about it that doesn't open up the floodgates of whatever you're feeling that day and answers their questions. What do you think about that strategy? I think you got to do whatever works for you in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, people are so different. I found. Like, there's a lot of people like me. There's a lot of people who are not like me. So I don't know. I don't know. I think it's so personal. I do, too. I, I think it can be really painful if they happen to catch you on a on a bad day or a bad moment or and put their own story on you. I mean, I think there's a lot of yeah. projection that happens in the community. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and look, everybody, we're now in a time where divorce doesn't carry the same, like, societal shunning that it used to. But... Our, our parents' generation still feels a certain way. Cultural beliefs still lead people to feel a certain way. But I think overall the narrative is shifting. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX Alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen. And today I'm talking with Michelle dempsey Multak about her work and helping moms move on from their divorces. And Michelle, if people are interested in learning more about your newly published book or about your podcast or anything else that you do, how can they do that? Sure. The podcast is Moms Moving On and it it streams everywhere podcasts stream. The book is also called Moms Moving On. If you go to the Simon & Schuster website, you can find it, all the different uh, retailers that have it. It's at Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and a whole bunch of other places. Or if you're like an Amazon Prime fan like I am, you could have it at your doorstep tomorrow or purchase the audio and Kindle on Amazon. All right. That's great information. What are some strategies that you think are helpful to help people change or moms change their mindset and and kind of move through the divorce process? I mean, the emotional process or the legal process? Well, let's start with the emotional process. So that's a great question, and I love answering that because I think that once you are able to look at your divorce as an opportunity, right, like we lose jobs and we're like, oh, my God, I love that job. How could I have gotten fired? And then you end up with, like, the best career of your life. It's the same thing with this. Something didn't work out. It's not a reflection of you. It's not, you know, indicative of what your future holds. It's just an opportunity to start fresh. And I think new beginnings are really powerful. So that's how I like to approach the emotional piece. Great. And so do you think that, I mean, do you think that there's a, a, a typical journey emotionally that people take? Or do you think everybody's different and you can't predict it? I think the time in which it takes somebody to move past it is different for everybody. But I do think everyone from all walks of life, they still experience the same range of, you know, like the stages of grief. You're going to have anger. You're going to have, you know, period of sadness. You're going to have a period of acceptance. Like you're going to go through all of that, but the time in which you get through each stage is going to be very different. I think based on 
your beliefs, why you're getting divorced, who is in your support system, and also the permission you give yourself to feel those feelings. Like you're allowed to be angry or, and you're allowed to be sad. I can't tell you how many, how many sessions with clients will start with, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm crying, I feel so stupid. And I'm like, why? This is hard stuff, you're allowed to cry. I cried plenty even though I initiated my divorce. It's not, it's not easy stuff. And the anger too, I think you have to give yourself the freedom. Like, you know, they say that anger is a bad emotion, but it's, it's not. It's an emotion and you're allowed to feel it. And so long as you don't act out on other people in an angry way, it's perfectly reasonable to give yourself the space to feel angry because somebody has hurt you. That's natural. So giving yourself permission to feel these feelings, I think helps you through the stages of grief gets you through more quickly because you're not resisting them and you're not pretending they're not there when they very much are. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I mean, I think that anger can really be a driver of change. And in that way, if you use it to help yourself do something that's hard, it can be super, super effective and helpful. Right? It's just if yeah. you're yelling and screaming all the time, that might be counterproductive. Right. And unfortunately, some people will find themselves stuck in either the sadness period or the anger period. I had somebody on my podcast recently who who called herself a self-proclaimed rageaholic. Like she just was angry all the time until she really did the work to figure out like where that anger was coming from. Like what was it in this divorce that triggered something deeper? And that's where therapy is like huge. I personally can credit therapy to so much of my growth and I do make it a prerequisite for most of my clients to already be in therapy when we start working together because if you're working with the deeper stuff in tandem with the actionable stuff that I, I take on, it helps move you through more quickly. I think so many people feel that if they're in therapy somehow or rather they're a broken person, but when you're going through something like divorce or a death of a, a loved person or, or, or anything that's really significant like that, it, it's so helpful to really address the emotional journey that you're on and the pain and or whatever the feelings are to address them effectively. So are there other things that people feel like they're stuck? I mean, because a lot of our clients come here and they're like, we're never, I'm never going to get remarried. I'm never even going to date again. Like I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with that. Yeah. And obviously you've moved on very successfully in your life. So talk a little bit about that journey of moving on into a new relationship. Well, first of all, I think it's a story you tell yourself. If you tell yourself, I am never moving on, you're never moving on. You're not even giving yourself, like, a chance. But I will tell you that I I had a very difficult time with intimate relationships until my divorce. I think my divorce finally showed me that I had a lot of healing to do. You know, the divorce wasn't just my ex-husband's fault. I was very much at fault for having not worked through my issues and bringing those to the table in our marriage. And so I needed to do that. But all the while I knew that my first marriage was not right. And I, I also knew that I was not done with love yet. Like I knew I was going to get my fair shake, my fair try, you know, like <laughs> this wasn't fair. This wasn't right. I did this wrong, but I'm very hard on myself. And I always like to like get to the end result the best way possible. So I knew that I wasn't done and I was very open and, I wasn't of the mindset that, like, there's something wrong with me. I thought there was maybe something wrong about the way I handled things, and that could be fixed. So I was very open, and if you really want to laugh, my husband now is a family court judge. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, we, I feel like all roads lead you to where you're supposed to be. And, and I haven't had a client yet who doesn't, you know, reach out and when they're getting remarried and invite me to their wedding and say, you were right. Cause they all start with, ah, oh, no one's going to want me. Uh, who am I, who am I going to end up with? I'll be alone forever. But it's really about the story you tell yourself. Yeah. That's really why I wanted to raise it because I think it's also about where you see yourself in, in life and there can be a risk to opening yourself up to love again, to open yourself up to be in relationship again. And sometimes when people are getting divorced, they don't really want to think that they're ever going to take that risk again. Right. Right. I mean, yes, it's a risk. Look, we, even in the best marriages, you know, we don't know what can happen tomorrow, but it's a shame to really tell yourself that like, you don't get an opportunity to be happy again just because one thing didn't work out. Like I take it back to the career thing. If you lose a job, that doesn't mean you're done with the profession forever. Like you're going to wake up and you're going to brush up your resume and you're going to make yourself as presentable as possible and go out and find another job. It's part of the cycle of life that, you know, things don't go the way we planned and we have to pick ourselves up and keep going. So, Michelle Dempsey Maltech, we have about a minute left. What does it mean to be a mom moving on? I think it's a mom who has stepped into her her power unapologetically, realizes that her life is not defined by her marital status, and that her children don't need a married mom, they need a happy mom. So it's a mom who's working on herself to be happy regardless of whether or not her marriage worked out. And do you think that mom is more available as a mom to her kids? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, Michelle Dempsey-Maltek, thank you so much for being on the show. I think that people would really benefit from reading your book, Moms Moving On, and certainly from listening to your podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you.